Hello there. Welcome to the 30th episode of the SPS podcast. It's the 30th episode, so I thought I'd do something a bit special and have another deep dive performance origins conversation. And this one is with Save Your Sons, also known as Harrison. So let's just jump right into it. Let the credits roll. Welcome to the SPS podcast, the self-performance strategies podcast. Unlocking the secrets to success and the secrets to performance so you can improve yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. The SPS podcast is brought to you by the Pro Accelerator Program, specifically designed to help business owners and business leaders save at least 10 hours a week while improving their freedoms of time, money, and purpose. If you're interested in finding out more about the Pro Accelerator Program, check the show notes or head on over to stephentimony.com. Let's get into the episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, hello to the 30th episode of the SPS podcast of the Self Performance Strategies podcast. This episode is another performance origins where we take a deep dive with a successful entrepreneur and we talk about their success journey and their self performance journey. In this episode, I am over the moon to be joined by Savior Sons, aka Harrison, who is a business coach who leans towards helping fathers monetize a following and escape the nine to five so they can be more independent to help their families have a better life. I'm super excited to have Harrison on the pod because he's one of my oldest Twitter connections. Uh, I remember connecting with him when I had about a thousand followers and I think he had 500 and now he's got hundreds of thousands of followers. So he's really blowing up. But hello and welcome, Harrison. How are you on this this fine day? And thank you so much for uh, coming onto the podcast, Stephen. Man, St. You're right. It goes way, way back. I yeah. think like literally one of the first people I met online, and we <laughs> and we we still talk to this day. And it's that just goes to show you how important it is. Anybody who's listening to this, to if you want to build anything meaningful online. You need those relationships. I'll probably say that a million times. So that is one of the most important things. And I'm grateful for you, man. You, we, we really, we really came up at the exact same time and went through all the stuff, all the growing pains together. And it's so fun to to revisit that now. What a couple two two and a half years later. Yeah, yeah. It was two two and a bit years later. It was summer of 2020 when That's the right. pandemic had kicked in, and we were all locked in our houses. And it was... everybody was everybody was a little crazy. Everybody, yeah, yeah. yeah. Twitter uh, account. Yeah, let's do it. That's pretty much uh, spent every pretty much every waking hour on Twitter talking to people, uh, uh, primarily around North America, but pretty much all over the world. But it was it was a it was a fun fun time, and yeah, it's been. It I have to be honest, man. It's been very impressive to see your your growth. The the save your son's brand uh, has been it's incredible. Like you're on, blowing up on Instagram, blowing up on Twitter, uh, just just awesome uh, stuff. So congratulations on that. Thank you, man. It's still a huge surprise, and I still don't really, you know, you try to reverse engineer what what happened, and you get a pretty good idea of it. But it's also a lot of right place, right time, right, right combination of branding elements, and yeah. uh, and and things happen. So I, I mean, I'm I'm grateful for the ride, and and always just kind of taking it as it comes. Yeah, no, it's great. I kind of I feel the same about my my growth. I, I sometimes I look back and be like, how did how did I end up with like sixty thousand followers on Twitter? Right. How did that happen? Uh, but I'm glad it did because it changed my life. And we'll talk about that as we get into the podcast because I think you are now a full time business entrepreneur. 
um, helping. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into what exactly you do and we'll talk about it in a bit later. But to start off, a uh, question I actually ask all my guests to come on. Uh, you know, what, what, is, what is your sort of personal success philosophy or what is your self-performance philosophy? How, how do you show up as, uh, you know, uh, as a person daily around uh, around that idea? Yeah, I think there's 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 a few things that are really important to me that I try to like check every day, check a box every day. And the first thing that's really, really important to me is just more of like a personal ethos that mm. that I developed in my early 20s, which actually informs a lot of my content. Um, you know, I talk to young men and going through the, the period of transitioning from adolescent to an adult. Yeah. And this idea of I mean, really, it's simple. It's self-improvement. Yeah. So doing something, no matter what, every single day that makes myself better. Yes. And it, what that is, is can be different. It might be exercising. It might be creating something. It might be trying a new ad. It might be spending more time with my family. But just zero, zero, zero days. Zero, zero there's days. Never, there's never going to be a day that's a zero. And and that's something that I, I think has played a large part in getting me to where I've been able to get now, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that, that weren't me, but mm-hmm. one thing that I think I did, I have done that's really important is, is sticking to that idea of no matter what, you got to do something every single day that makes yourself better. Mm. Yeah. I really um, like that. But that zero, zero days is that's really, that's really key. Yeah. I mean, it's like for me and like, you're never standing in the same spot. You know, you're never, you, if you have a zero day, like you, you effectively went backward because everybody else kept going. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and inflation marched on, everything grew and went, went ahead of yeah. you and you stayed the same. So effectively by comparison, you're farther behind. Yeah. But that's why it's so important. No matter what you got to do, you got to do something. Yeah. So it, in my life to, to reflect on that, I have like minimum standards, like my floor, like things I do every day, that you might just call habits, but they're like minimum standards that I, I can look at and be like, if I do nothing else, as long as I've done my minimum standards, I've had a good day. And that's like, you know, journaling, maybe a bit of meditating, going for a walk with a dog, whatever that is. So what would it be if you're talking about no zero zero days and for maybe a listeners to really encapsulate what that is, what would be just the bar above a zero day? If you're having a tough day and you just needed to get something done to make yourself feel better. What, what, what constitutes a non-zero day for you? So, I mean, right now we, we have two little kids, two little boys, and they are wild. Like they are, they take up <laughs> so much energy and so much time and so much, so much lost sleep. So I think I'm at like the rip, I'm at, I'm at a greater risk of zero days than I've probably ever been in, <laughs> in, in my life. Um, but, but like for me, the bare minimum, I'm like, I've, I, I have a business that I have to grow. It yeah. has to grow. Mm-hmm. It has to grow. And there's a few things, there's a few key things I know I can do every single day that either will grow it or set me up to grow in the near term. Yeah. And that's, that's interacting with current clients, that's uh, creating content, that's uh, sending an email. I guess that's technically creating content, writing, <laughs> writing ads, whatever. It's doing something every day that is going to help my business grow. Mm-hmm. And what's what another another kind of success philosophy? I like the way you you frame that. St. Is do people call you St. on the podcast? Yeah, they can. They want you're the first one, but let's do well, it. Only, like it. Only only OG. Only the real ones. No. Only the real ones. Only the OGs. <laughs> <laughs> I 
because ST doesn't stand for Stephen Timoney. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Only, only, only the deep, the, the, the deep fans know. Yeah, know what uh, ST stands for. Um, yeah, but but one of so so to to do that, you have to get really disciplined about saying no. And so one one of the big like a hallmark of a good day to me is actually did I did I say no to something? Yeah. Did I turn something down? Did mm. I did I decide to quit doing something? Yes. And giving yourself permission to cut out crap that doesn't matter. Yes. And that's been that's a lesson I took from my career into my business and one of the most important things I ever learned. And it's I, I don't know if it's like it's probably Steve Jobs or somebody was like, the the most important job of a CEO is not deciding what to do next, it's deciding what to stop doing. Yes. And, I, and if you can if you can cut out the crap, then yeah. you have all the time to do the things that matter. Yeah. In my life, I call that stuff dumb shit. Yeah. 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 It's the dumb shit. It's it, and I have a dumb shit list, and I get most of my clients <laughs> to write out a dumb shit list. Uh, and um, that dumb shit list is basically all the stuff that I know I shouldn't do. Like on that dumb shit list, I have overeating at lunch because I know if I overeat at lunch, it's gonna put me in a downward spiral for the afternoon where I'm not gonna want to do. Uh, you know, more productive or life positive things. I'm, I'm probably going to be more likely to be distracted because I'm tired. Uh, you know, so it's, it's the, anything that I think is, is, is going to take me away from my higher levels of performance. I put down as dumb shit. Uh, it's actually one of the reasons why I stopped posting on TikTok um, recently, because I just, I just, when I'm sitting one morning, very calmly feeling very centered, I, I wrote out a dumb shit list and the first thing that's hot was TikTok was dumb shit and I was like, okay, I'm off. I'm off. I'm done. If my, if my, if my mind's telling me that if my mind's telling me that I'm uh you know, removing that as an option. But yeah, I, I really think you're key when you talk about that Steve Jobs quote and about removing stuff, I, I honestly believe that's the you know, I get your opinion on this, but I think that's the secret to self improvement. I, I think a lot of the personal development and productivity world is, is kind of leaned towards doing new things like starting a new habit, uh, trying a new system, downloading an app, where in my life, and you can maybe answer this, is I've always found my biggest gains have come from when I've removed things, not when I've added things. Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, the, time is the most valuable thing in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. Until we understand the, the, the quantum mechanics of space time or whatever, and we can like reverse it or pause it. Like, it's, like we yeah. can't do that. And so it is marching on and yeah. it is going and you only have so much of it. And the most, the most, I took this cue from successful people that I know that I've read, read books or that I know in my life and they all value time over everything else. Mm -hmm. Like they would pay any amount of money to save time. There's two kinds of people. Yeah. I think I tweeted this one time and it made a lot of people mad. I was like, there's the people that'll that'll wait in Costco gas line <laughs> for 30 minutes to save two dollars, and then there's the people that get on with their day and spend an extra couple bucks so they don't have to wait in the line. Yeah. And I just I, I try to put that into every single thing that I do. It's this is costing me time no matter what. Yeah. No matter everything I'm doing costs me time. So is there? Can I justify that? And and you have to be really honest with yourself and really disciplined and say like. I can't justify the time that I'm spending on this thing. And that's when you, that's, that's when it goes on your dumb shit list. It's like, yeah. this is at the top of the list. And I cut out, I did one. I, I did, people told me I was crazy when I, when I told them this, you, what do you think, Steven? I, I hate emails so much. <laughs> I, I, I hate it. Like 
and it comes from my nine to five, like, cause yeah. I would spend all day, like trying to get my inbox down and like parsing through 50 email threads and like trying to find the relevant information and like <laughs> doing inline edits on an email and like bolding <laughs> things and be like, per your, per your last email. See my read. And I just, I, I freaking hated that. Yeah. And every time I open up my inbox, I would just get this sinking feeling in my mm. stomach and I still get it today, even with my save your son's email. So this is why I put on a permanent out of office message on my main email Yeah. that says, that says this email address is not monitored. If you want to get in touch with me, send me a DM on Twitter. And that's yeah. all it says. And everyone's <laughs> like, dude, you're missing out on, on so much, like so many potential sales, like whatever. And like, maybe I am, I'm still sending sales emails. Like, come on, I'll still yeah. send, I'll still fire up a convert sequence, a convert kit sequence and send that out. Yes. But I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna spend time in my inbox answering emails ever again. And, and just decided that. And, and that was, that was one of the examples of like, you got to cut out the things that, that aren't at least where I was at right now. Like I wasn't, it was not driving my business to answer emails. It was not a, not moving the needle in any significant way. And, and it got the ax. I love it. That, 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 that's just you assessing what's working and what's not working. If you were getting a lot of business from answering emails, you would answer emails. But if it's just conversations going backwards and forwards and it's time wasting your time, it's not useful. That's something you could hire a VA for in the future to, yeah, to, to, to do a filter for you. Because um, I, I know plenty of other high-end entrepreneurs that have massive businesses that don't even touch email. That that has to go through somebody else before it gets to them. Um, I'm not, I'm not at that point yet. I don't think I'm Jeff Bezos, but I'm <laughs> I think, I think it's the next, the next big flex. Yeah. Is being like, no, I don't do email. I don't do email. When like, yeah. when like 20 years ago, that was like the ultimate boomer thing to say, like, so, you don't yeah. do email. Like what's, what's wrong with you? But now it's like going full circle and it's like a total, total flex. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a good flex as well because it, it it's just a time suck. And, um, no, I like it. I, li I like that methodology. I like that thinking. You know, you want to re remove the dumb shit so you can focus on the, on the most important things. So, continuing down that line a little bit, you know, over the last sort of five or ten years, I mean, you're, you've you've got a, a young family. You've uh, been working, uh, you know, successfully in, in in the normal sort of corporate phase, and now you've moved over a business owner. Over, over the last number of years, what what would be the biggest struggle that stands out to you that was I don't want to say the one thing that you had to overcome to uh, get success, but what was the what what were what was the one thing, or what were the, the the things that you had to really focus on to help you, you know, succeed not only in the corporate world before becoming a, a coach and a business owner, but even now as a coach and a business owner, what, what do you think of the, the main struggles are that you're still competing against? Well, I I don't know. I'll start out by saying like I think this is what most people would say like. I still don't really feel like I have succeeded and, and I don't know that I ever will. Like I'm, I'm really comfortable and we're doing great. And yeah. like, ne like, I don't know how much you talk about money, but like, I've never, I, I never in a million years dreamed that I would be earning what I'm earning and changing and impacting people's lives in the way that I am. Never thought that would happen. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, like to it, to an outsider, like, sure. Like it might look that way, but to me, I'm like, Hey, I'm in it. And I'm like, there's, there's, there's crap, there's fires, there's, there's problems, there's issues. Yeah. And, and I always think about it, like, to, to the extent that I had, like, that I am like succeeding, or like on the right path or doing the right things in life. I think it all comes down to what I choose, how I choose to spend my time. Yeah. 
And like for a while, I, ha I had to stop doing this. But for a while after I left my nine to five to do this full time, I was going to the gym every morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mm -hmm. And and it was just non-negotiable. I was like, I'm going to spend these two hours at the gym because that's the reason I'm able to do everything else. That's the reason I'm able to to run the business and do and grow the business and, and get results for people is because I've filled my own cup up so what so much yeah and like if i stop doing that if i stop going to the gym completely like i may have more quote time in the day but i'm it's gonna fail because <laughs> doing those things is the reason that i've been able to do what i've what i've done so far mm -hmm. and i had to move it I, I go to the gym now at 5 a.m which isn't isn't great but it was just the nature of my of my business and my per and my family schedule like yeah the clients need the most attention in the mornings and i was at the gym during that time so i had to switch it but like going going to the going to the gym as a small example it's like doing think about the 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 habits the patterns that you've established the the common denominators in your life yeah that have been consistent and try to think about which ones of those have been most directly related to your success and remember that you, that that's that's just what you do that's what yeah. you do now you're a guy like you get you're a guy that meditates you're a guy that journals you're yeah. a guy that goes to the gym because those are the things that allow you to to do what you need to do for the rest of the day. Yeah. And as soon as you start saying, oh, I got to cut things, I got to cut things, which you do have to cut things. But if you cut those things, yeah. they're upstream. And yeah. everything that's downstream of that is going to suffer. 100%. Couldn't agree more. I, I call that a keystone, keystone habit, the, the, the one habit that rules them all. Uh, you know, and that, and that for me, it's meditating and journaling in the morning. Um, I I tried the working out in the morning, but I kind of felt like I'd achieved something in my day and I, I felt like it actually dipped my motivation. So I now I work out, mm -hmm. go for walks and work out in the afternoon. Like I'll go for a walk after this podcast um, for about an hour, uh, maybe do some kettlebells later on. Uh, but going back to that idea about that Keystone goal for years, uh, even when I was back at corporate, uh, before I went on my journey, if I didn't meditate and journal, and when I was in corporate, I would read and do a little bit more sort of maybe productivity stuff in the morning before starting work. If I didn't do that up front, I kind of felt like the rest of my day belonged to somebody else and I hadn't actually mm. served myself first. I hadn't put myself front and center. And then I kind of didn't feel as optimal you know, when I was at my corporate job, because I, you know, and then I all, sometimes at my corporate job, I feel like I was in the shit zone. I'd be at my corporate job and I'd be thinking about, oh, I still need to journal. Uh, I need to go and find some space to meditate. You know, it just, it would be in my brain. So I, I really like that as, as something that, because you put that working out as your main keystone habit. I mean, that that's the domino that if I get that done each day, that's going to allow me to do everything else. Yeah, that's it. And you said it, man, like, I think this is a big problem in our society and I see it with everyone. I, I work a lot, mostly with men and I have a men's community. That's like mostly more self-development mm -hmm. and most of my clients tend to be men, the dads, whatever. Seaver Sons University. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh yeah, there you go. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and they, and a, a common problem that I see them all, all have is that they don't, they, they can't put themselves first mm. and they can't, fill their own cup, whatever you want to call it, fit, like energize themselves. And, and if you don't do that, if you don't put yourself as the top priority, then everyone else in your family or in your life that depends on you, that, that needs you is going to suffer from that. Yes. 
and that's like it's a it's a common pattern in dads it's a common pattern and really i think everybody like because we have such such messaging in our society like you know don't be selfish don't it's bad to be selfish mm-hmm. well okay it's bad to be like an a-hole yeah and like like a dickhead can i say that it's yes. bad to, but 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 it's not bad to be selfish yeah it's not bad to take care of yourself because that's what makes you able to do everything else that you need to do yes and and when you're when you're running a business, when you're leading a family, even when you're at a job, there's people that depend on you. Yeah. And you're you're doing the worst thing possible if you aren't facing every day with as high of, energy is everything. If you don't have yes. high energy, it's all over. So you have to find the things that get you high energy and do those every single day so that you can have that inner energy to give to the people that need you. Yeah, I'm a massive believer in, in uh, energy management comes before time management. Yeah, it's upstream of that for sure. Hundred percent, and I, I deal with that well. I've got a, you know working one on one with entrepreneurs and business leaders, and that's something that and some people who are still at a nine to five, but they've got a side hustle going on, and they're trying to you know leave that nine to five or build their their side project at the same time. They want to have a good income, and and I will often find that that there'll be a slight resentment uh, to their nine to five or to other things in their lives, and then when I peel back the layers it's because they end up doing everything for everybody else first in their day and then when it comes around to having free time in the evening they're too tired to actually focus on the things that they want to focus on so they end up getting a bit pissed off with their life and a bit frustrated and and a simple switch of maybe getting up half an hour earlier getting up an hour earlier and actually putting yourself first before everybody else in your house gets up can have dramatic results when you start compounding that over weeks and months and years, it, it, it's unbelievable when you just, just a little bit of time to yourself, first of all. And, and in the same way, if they don't do that, it compounds negatively mm-hmm. because they're, they're pissed off when they go to bed and then they wake up and they're still, and they have a hangover mood and they let that impact their relationships. And then they have another bad day and another zero day and another zero. And then it just goes downhill, downhill yes. versus, versus the opposite flywheel effect of putting yourself first. Yeah. filling yourself up so that you have something to give. Yeah, you end up creating your darkest timeline when you don't put yourself That's first. That's right. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Terrible, terrible. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, when we think about well, your performance journey, it was really about putting yourself first and dropping the dumb shit, so to speak, uh, making sure that you're focusing on, on those key efforts. You know, where you're at now, you're already pretty successful. You're coaching people. Uh, you, you've got a fantastic amount of following on Twitter and Instagram, as, as as we've discussed. But in the next sort of twelve to eighteen months, if I was to give you a, a realistic but magic wand, where would you where where are you taking this this the Save Your Sons brand? What's what's the what's the next level for you personally, mentally, emotionally? What's happening with your performance in that in that area? Oh man. Well, okay. I'm not one of those guys who believes in uh, don't tell other people your goals. Okay. I believe. I tell people my goals. Who cares? Because like, people people say like, well, like you can't trust everybody. Like like someone's gonna, like, no 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 one's gonna get in the way of what I want to do other than my own head yes. and my own me being an idiot. Like there's there's no like, there's no like cabal out there who's gonna yeah. like try to stop me. Like so I love talking about my goals and and if they change if I don't achieve them like whatever like I'm not worried about like I don't I don't ascribe to that philosophy at all. So. 12 to 12 months I, I 12 months honestly I'll probably be doing the same the same thing mm-hmm. um, I just want to try to grow it and pretty soon I'll I, I think 12 months maybe two years I kind of will be at a ceiling 
with what I can do in terms of client management. Like mm-hmm. the, the offer that I, the offer, I have a few offers, but what I sell, like I, I can probably double, triple what I'm doing now, maybe, mm-hmm. but like it's going to hit a ceiling. And for me, what, what save your sons has always been about is how can I help men to be better dads so that we can have better outcomes for kids? Yeah. Because if there's, if, there, if the data is clear, if a kid doesn't have a dad in their life, like they're, they're, every bad thing that can happen to a person in our society is more likely to happen to a kid that grows up without it, that influence. Yes. So I've found as long as everything I, I do is aligned to that sort of North star mission, mm-hmm. then I'm energized. I'm not, I'm not at risk of burning out. I know that I'm doing what I'm put on this earth to do, which is help men build better families. Yeah. And so like long, long term, this is, this is cool. I, I, uh, one of the most important things, one of the most impactful things, really the most impactful thing on on family life, really life in general in our society is is the media. Yeah. And we like everybody kind of knows like, yeah, like if you control the media like you, you have power, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can control the reality for whoever consumes that media. And for better or worse, I mean, there's great media out there. There's terrible media out yeah. there. And, and so so my long term goal is to create positive media for families and and i've always had a creative streak like uh, people listening to this can't see the video but i got like my guitars my piano behind like i love i I love art i love creating things and what uh what gets me really energized is the idea of creating this this positive uh ip intellectual property for children like uh like a a, a a universe of characters and stories and and multimedia uh <laughs> experiences around around positive messaging for children because i i believe we can give kids positive messages at an early age and that can be like they're going to consume media we can't avoid that we can't yes. lock them in a in a media free chamber for the rest of their lives <laughs> but but we have to give them good stuff that 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 we approve of, that we that we think is good and, and helps them versus hurts them takes away take harms them mm-hmm. and and that's where i can i can see myself making a really big impact once i <clears throat> once i get comfortable enough with with the business model i have now and i feel like that's that's i'm, I'm safe with that and i've got like you know enough saved up to where i'm not never have to worry that's the direction I want to go in is, is how can I create this media property for kids, books, music, movies, TV shows, YouTube, whatever, all the above that, that is a really valuable. Um, I mean, it, look at Disney, look at yeah. uh, Peppa Pig. You, do you know Peppa Pig? You, <laughs> yeah, I know. Probably, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peppa Pig. The yeah. guys who, who made Peppa Pig sold it for $3.8 billion. That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. So, so yeah, like so, something yeah. like that's that's where like my my kind of dream is down down the road. I love that. That's a, that's 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 a hell of a moonshot. The, yeah, the, right. Yeah, that, and that, that's inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't got anything anywhere near as articulate as that. I just have this idea in the back of my mind of like wanting to help millions of people prevent them from like doing the dumb shit that that uh, stops them from fulfilling their potential. I just have this this because I did a lot of dumb shit as as a young man, and I didn't have that media. Um, coming to me you know yeah. to help me you know i had to go and work all this shit out myself get into stoicism stuff in my in mid to late 20s and early 30s to actually go and sort all the, all this shit out because schools certainly didn't want to teach me information about how to be a, a decent person they wanted to tell me how to sort out some equation of a triangle 
thanks <laughs> uh you know so i i really i really 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 like that that that's that that's super inspiring because that, that's a that's a worthy goal because i think that yeah i just say what, what is it because you have a young family that you're inspired to do that or or is it just the fact that you've always wanted to sort of you've always had a thing for media um storytelling or or you know what, what is the what's the, what's the kind of the why behind that massive goal I think it's a combination. Yeah, like I definitely have always been. I've loved movies for always, like since mm-hmm. I was a little kid. Like some of the best memories of my childhood are going to the movies with my dad or, or with friends or my grandparents, my mom, whoever. Like going to the movies was the best. But it was only as an adult that I realized that I started tying back a lot of my negative thoughts. Cause like I, I, I hinted at this at the beginning. I think most young men go through this like. Your early twenties are tough. Yeah, they're tough because you're you're coming to you're into the real world and all the fairy tale crap that you heard your whole life. You're realizing a lot of that was a lie to make you feel good. Yeah, and that's not how the real world operates at all. And I I I was able to tie back a lot of my negative patterns, a lot of my negative thoughts, a lot of my negative self image to the media that was really kind of forced on me as a child. Really, like I don't know how else to put it. Like nobody held a gun in my head and made me watch. Uh, MTV Spring Break at 11 years old, but that's probably not that's probably not the thing an 11 year old should be watching, like no. Newsflash, and, yeah. <laughs> and and it was all this all this stuff that I that I realized like man like I've been programmed by this crap and it's making me into not the not the type of person I want to be. It's holding me back from my potential to get back to your your yeah. missions. Even like imagine if we harness the potential of eight billion people. Yeah. If if eight billion people are using sixty percent of their potential or forty percent of their potential, if we could harness that, imagine what how the world would change. Yeah. Even if we harnessed a tiny fraction of it, and and that's what like to me, I could really tie back. I was like, you know what, all this crap rattling around in my head, all this negative worldview, this negativity, this this bad energy, this bad self image, an uncomfortable amount of that is tied directly back to the inputs I had as a child. Yes. And having my kids really made that hit home. I was like, I don't want them to have that. I don't want them to be, to grow up, you know, ashamed of who they are or ashamed of themselves or with wrong ideas about the world. You teach them the ideas about the world in a safe way, but, but you want them to have an idea of what to expect. Yeah. And, and I, I got none of that and it's nobody's fault except whoever was creating MTV spring break (laughs) (laughs) or whatever, all the other crap I was watching. Um, Um, but but so so that's kind of to me is like I need there has to be a, an alternative to that stuff, and and the biggest leap forward that I think I'm I'm in a position to make is by helping to create that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's that's a really good why because if you had the insight to actually go back and be well, why am I acting like this? Why am I showing up in the world uh, a little bit like this? And and that's huge because I, I definitely had similar thoughts. You know, looking back at things. You know, I call them Hollywood moments where a lot of people online or, or in life, they will say things uh, online or to people's faces that are very cutting, uh, very sort of like, oh, wow, be a great, be like, a, you know, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, let off some steam uh, kind of thing. But like the movie keeps going that that person's not dead. You say that heart, harsh comment to them in life. And then you've got to face that person again. So it's not how you, you know, the, the movie doesn't end. You've got to deal with the consequences of your actions. And I, I always feel like the TV shows, like if you go back and watch Friends or even Seinfeld to a certain extent as well, they're awful people right. saying <laughs> awful things to each other 
all the time. Now, Seinfeld's hilarious, and you can kind of watch it, but it, even Friends, to a certain extent, like they were not friends. Um, right. And it's—I don't know. For me, it kind of felt like that there was a—you you were being taught to to say things to people that, in reality, you shouldn't really be saying to, to people around you. Because, it, as I'm saying, you, the life—you have to see those people again. There isn't a Hollywood moment. The, the, the curtain doesn't come down. There's there's consequences to the things and the actions that you do. Yeah, that that's the key. It's like the the media, the movies, the TV shows—they never show the consequences. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it, and then yeah, and then you're fine. But like, nah, like there's second, third, fourth order things that happen with every single thing you do, and they're usually pretty predictable. And if you think about it for two seconds, you can figure out the right <laughs> the right thing to do. Yeah, because I, I think when I was younger, definitely my early twenties. The thing between my nose and my chin, my mouth, uh, got me into a lot of problems. And I I would say quite cutting things. I was quite sharp-witted, a little bit sarcastic. I think that's more of the Irish-UK humor uh, in there. Uh, But I I thought I was kind of being cool and humorous. But in reality, looking back, I was just being cringe. Um, And it kind of took me a while to sort of unravel that. Well, where in my nature has this come from where I was saying these sharp, witty, cutting things... And I put it, I actually do put it down to movies and TV shows that I thought that was what you did. That's how you interacted with people. You were, you, you said cutting things because that's what the cool guy in the movie chewing the matchstick, you know, in, in the bar says, you know, in the bar fight, you know, watching Roadhouse or something with um, Patrick Swayze, you know, you say the, the smart comment and you knock the guy out. But, no, that's not really how life works. You know, it's, 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 there's consequences to things. And, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely was influenced by a lot of, uh, a lot of shit like that, uh, growing up. All those sort of like, uh, hero movies, you could nearly call them. It's, it's funny that you zeroed in on sarcasm. I hadn't thought about that in the context of media, but you're a hundred percent right. Like that is, uh, that, that like I was really sarcastic the same way Yeah. as, as an early twenties guy. And, and it, it definitely, that's where it came from. hundred percent. Like that, that has to be it. And I always caution people, sarcasm is really, really dangerous if you're not careful because sarcasm is one step removed from cynicism and cynicism is one step removed from nihilism. Yeah. Like you are, you are walking a dangerous tightrope. If you go around with a sarcastic attitude, I mean, it's, it leads to pessimism. It leads to cynicism, at least to nihilism and all these things lead, lead to nowhere. Yes. Like you, you do not. I mean, maybe you can be a stand up comedian or something. <laughs> but other than that, like, it is not the way to navigate the world. It is the, the optimists win 99 times out of 100. And so I, I like to play the odds. And, and that's 100% right, man. And, and I hadn't put it together that that's where that, that particular bad trait came from, but it mm-hmm. absolutely is. Yeah, no, I, I definitely did some reflection on that because I was, as I said, very sarcastic. I was like, where have I, where, as I, as I just mentioned, where did I get that from? And I, and I can only really pin it to that because I don't think anybody in my family was overly sarcastic. My, my dad's quite witty, but we're Irish. So there is a, there's a, there's a sort of a, you know, UK Irish sort of banter where you kind of uh, take the piss out of people. Like you, mm-hmm. you, people who, but it's not being sarcastic. You're, you're, you're being sharp with people's, um, well, someone does something wrong and you sort of like, you flip something really quickly onto them and you make a joke out of it. We're also really good at, uh, cracking jokes at really dark situations in life when bad, when shit happens and there, you know, some bad news comes in. In an Irish family, you can like literally count before 10, before 10 seconds go by and someone's going to crack a joke. 
Uh, it's just, just 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 the way it is because uh, it's you know you don't deal well with uncomfortable sciences. The jokes come out, but the sarcasm the sarcasm that I had, like I, I was like, where is that? And it's almost it's almost hateful. It's almost there almost is like a, a wickedness to it, where you're being sarcastic, and it's usually because you're glossing over some type of inner pain or limiting belief. Uh, but also on top of that, you've been taught by media that being quick witted and sarcastic. Uh, it's kind of like a, it's almost like a archetype or something. It's a, it's a type of person who you can be. I, I was the, I'm, I'm, I'm the sarcastic one in the group, uh, and I think I fell into that trope or archetype, whatever you want to call it, in my early twenties, because that was definitely my, I saw myself as the, 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 the humorous friend. But to be fair, it didn't really work out that well for me in my early twenties. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a way to like remove agency from yourself mm. in a way. Like it's like, oh, I don't take anything seriously, so if I fail, it's because I wasn't taking it seriously, not because I'm a loser. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and that's like where the, the root of the root of sarcasm, I think comes from is like, Oh, well, it's not serious. I'm not serious. I'm, yeah. just, like, I'm just being sarcastic. Like I, I, t- I don't take anything seriously. And like newsflash to people who are thinking that way, if you want to do anything meaningful, you have to take things seriously. Yes. You're never, you're never going to get anywhere that you want to be if you refuse to take things seriously. And it's, you have to be vulnerable because yeah, it's scary to take something seriously for the first time when when you've had this defense mechanism of like, well, as long as I don't try, I can't fail. Yeah. Well, at some point you actually got to try and you got to take things seriously, and that's that can be where the pain that can a lot of pain can come from that, but also every good thing in your life is going to come from that too. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that. That I would definitely say that's part of my sarcasm or, or when I was in my early 20s it was like well if I, if I don't try I can't fail when you said that that was definitely a, a, a um, mental sort of direction that I came from and then I would joke about it anybody else trying to be like oh look at this person try right. hard yeah try hard. same crap man you know <laughs> it, it, and looking back now it's kind of cringe you know but I, I think I definitely the back end of my 20s uh, because I partied a lot in my early 20s you probably know my backstory you know I, I ended up you know, going to all nightclubs and and being a bit of a, a you know a drinker and a partier all, every weekend, and it wasn't to the back end of my twenties that I started to see that compounding effect. Like for a couple of years, you don't really see it, but I started seeing friends getting married, buying houses, getting bigger jobs, and all of a sudden my life looked the same for like three or four years, five years, and I was like, hmm, something's not something's not right here. Uh, and I would say that's my biggest failure in my life was not catching on to that quick enough. And I'm not beating my younger self up. He was doing the best that he could at that time. I'm not going to, you know, imagine being in your 40s and hating on a younger version of yourself. It's just, you just, you don't want to do that. Uh, you need to get over that and let go of that, th- those issues. But it, my biggest failure or the thing where I was sort of off path the most in my life was that time in my 20s where taking life, taking 100% responsibility wasn't really something I did. And I'll flip that over to you. You know, what what was your biggest sort of failure or, or your biggest learning experience that you had to overcome to become the man you are today? I think it's the same thing, man. Like we have very similar uh, early twenties story. <laughs> and dude, I was it was bad. I was bad. It was bad. I was like a disaster. And I um I, I quit drinking forever ten years ago. It'll be ten years in December, December eighth. Good work. December 8th, 2012 was my last drink ever. It was a Coors Light. 
<laughs> is that even a drink? Yeah, in the U.S. we call it a drink. And in Ireland, probably not. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was by myself in my apartment. I was like, this is pathetic. Yeah, like, this is this is the worst. It was an 18 pack that I had polished off all day by myself, and it was the last one. I was like, nope, like I can't do this anymore. And it was funny. We were ragging on media. There was an interview that I saw from a guy, uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Who, who, okay, yeah, he's like big, big media guy. But, uh, but I actually credit this interview. I, I still remember this to this day because it was like right around the same time for me. Yeah. And he quit, he quit drinking too. Yeah. So this is the power that like you can have if you just say, say a message publicly. You can impact people without you ever even knowing it. But he was telling the story about how he quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And, and he was in his 20s and he had, he had a little bit of a career going, but, but he, but alcohol was holding him back. Yeah. And he said, uh, they asked him like what what made you quit and it wasn't like you know i was getting arrested every night or i had 10 duis or whatever like i didn't have that stuff either so that wouldn't have really resonated with me but what he said really did resonate with me and what he said was i finally realized that alcohol was keeping me from reaching my full potential Mm. and as soon as i understood that i couldn't do it anymore yeah and to me that was the exact same thing i was like this is holding me back I will never, ever, ever do what I need to do with my life, do what I was supposed to do with my life. If I wake up in the morning feeling this way, if I, if I, if I treat my body this way and, and it wasn't easy for me to quit because I had this really big habit for a long time. Yeah. But, but hearing that and then looking around at my life and, and very, some, some very fortuitous people in my life at the time who helped me, I was able to do it. And, and that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing for me that, that sort of changed the trajectory. So anybody who, who's listening to this, who's struggling with that, been there, (laughs) if it's keeping you from your potential, it's gotta go. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I don't drink as well. So it's, it's just, for me, it's the, the whole idea of having a drink steals happiness from tomorrow. You're you're literally stealing happiness on time uh, from your future. So you just have this sort of state change uh, for a few hours, this sort of inflated, uh, I don't know, fake happiness or, or whatever. And even sometimes with alcohol, it's not even, you don't even go happy. It's a suppressant. So you can actually end up spiraling and, and thinking about bad things. But I, I just, when I, I got clear, I got really, really into biohacking and getting clean around about, you know, the, you want to call it biohacking, but Dave Asprey kind of stuff, the Bulletproof Diet around about 2014, 2015. And I was tracking my sleep. I had this like sleep app, sleep cycle, and it just, I recorded like 500 nights of my sleep. And I just started to actually see when I removed alcohol and then I brought alcohol back in and would get drunk, you know, maybe one with my parents or for dinner with friends. I would literally notice how it affected my sleep for two or three days. And I would now notice how it would be like, and I know you get this happens with getting older. I'm in my early 40s, but like I was in my early to mid 30s when I was doing all this like 10 years ago. And I actually started to realize that I didn't get that real clear mental capacity back until like a Wednesday or Thursday morning uh, after, uh, you know, after drinking. And that really, that, that really highlighted to me, you know, why I needed to quit drinking uh, on a regular basis. It, it just, cause it, it, it really did slow me down. It, it made me more, it leaned me towards wanting to, I don't even think Netflix was really around back in 2014, 15, maybe it was, I can't remember. Um, but it definitely leaned me towards wanting to do more easy dopamine, 
Like I was, I, it, it, I wasn't as my discipline was not there for a few days as much as it was. It was harder for me to, to, to get around to working than normal, all these extra things. And when you start doing the percentages, the sort of like the, the risk management or, you know, or, or different sort of like mental models around, you know, your energy and your time, you, you start thinking, well, alcohol is dumb shit. It's 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 literally the thing. It's one of the the, the things that was slowing you down. And, and I I I stand outside with my dog. I go up to shops with my wife, and she goes in. And I stand outside with my dog, and I just see the amount of people coming and going from the local liquor store. And I, I even got to the point now where I look at that, and I'm like, that seems strange to me now. Seeing the amount of people going in and out of a, a, a liquor store on a daily basis, and I'm thinking you know, the, again when you think about the potential of, of the human race. If everybody would just stop drinking for a few <laughs> and deal with their shit, it'd be, yeah. uh, you know. If everyone just stopped for a few years, like, we'd probably be, we'd, we'd wind up on Mars, probably. Oh. But, it, yeah, it, it, steal, it doesn't just steal from tomorrow. Like, it steals from the next day and mm. the next day and the next day, and that's, you're spot on. And it steals your, it steals your, it doesn't just steal happiness. It steals productivity. Yeah. Like, 100%. Like, you I mean, I would get bad hangovers and, and that next day would be spent. And really the day after would be spent because either I would go and drink again the next day to like make the hangover feel better. Yes. Or it would just take like 48 hours to get out of my system, 72 hours to get out of my system. And that's a few hours of partying has cost you four days. Yeah. And like, imagine what you could achieve with that time if you had a clear head and, and high energy. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, being an entrepreneur, and I look at some of my friends and family, colleague, people who I know in, in my world that are part of that sort of, I don't want, I'm not shitting on corporate people when I say this, but they're, they're at the weekends, they go out and have two or three, you know, four or five glasses of wine. They go out for expensive dinners and they spend their weekends going for brunches and having like a, a Bloody Mary or whatever they're called uh, over here. They're called um, that Clamato juice uh, drink up here that they have with the vodka in it. It's oh, not the called, clams? The, yeah, it's it's yeah, not, never... it's not called a Bloody Mary. It's called something on a, on a Sunday. Usually most places have them. The name will pop into my head at some point. But I I I, I couldn't do that on a weekend. Like I my weekends are just like this this sort of magical time where like there's less people. Like I, I get to spend time with my family. I, I get to sort of like wind back a little bit from my from my business and you know going out and. You know, drinking four or five glasses of red wine on a Saturday night, and then waking up on a Sunday morning, you know, with a sore head, just does not sound appealing to me at all. But it's like almost like the the dream that's been sold to us: get successful, get a nice house, and become a wine connoisseur, go to fancy restaurants. Uh, and when I say that out loud, I'm like, I just it just it just sends a shiver down my spine. Like you know, being you know, spending your weekend spending hundreds of dollars on expensive wine because it's a cool thing to do. I don't know what it seems, and I see I see a lot of people doing that. I don't know about you in in your world, but I I do see that seems to be like a um, when you're in your 40s and 50s, that's what you do at the weekend. <laughs> it's it's insane, man. Like the the culture that's been built up around around <laughs> alcoholism yeah. is, like, is baffling. And and like look, like some people some some people are wired different, and it doesn't bother them. It doesn't affect yeah. them, and that, and that's fine. Um, but I think oh man. Mike Fred keeps tipping over. I think uh, <laughs> if if it does, like, it, like you you know, it a person knows if they're being honest, like if it's a problem, like yeah. they know. 
and, and and they may not want to admit it. It's one of the hardest things to admit. That's why it's step one of, of AA. <laughs> but, but like, it, if you're really honest, like, you know, and, and yeah. so, okay, that, now what are you going to do about it? And like, some people can be really honest say like, nah, this doesn't bother me at all. I'm fine. Whatever. And okay, that's great. But, but if, if you, if you're being honest and you know, the answer is that it is a problem, that's where it's time to, to do the right thing. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. You've got to, you've got to call out the, the again back to dumb shit. You got to call out the stuff that's slowing you down. Remove it, uh, and then see where you can take your life after that. You know, you're, you're never going to know unless you try. Yeah, and that's and that's a a big thing. So continuing on that vein a little bit, you know, it's a good conversation around alcohol. There, I think both of us have realized, you know, at some point in our journey that alcohol was one of those major things that was slowing me down. I mean, I I don't think I'd have a business right now. Oh, no um, way. If I was still drinking regularly, or I would, I would one hundred percent be dead, one hundred percent. And I, and if by some miracle I wasn't dead, I sure wouldn't have a family. I sure yeah. wouldn't be living in this house. I sure wouldn't have a business. I sure wouldn't have. I wouldn't be in shape. I wouldn't be healthy. I wouldn't like what I saw in the mirror. Like nothing I have today yeah. would exist if I hadn't made that decision. Yeah, that, that's huge. I think. Yeah, I think for me as well, it's a funny story about the drinking and partying. There was a, it was a, a back end of a bad relationship. And I've been, um, it was 2011. Um, this is when I actually started slowing down on drinking. And I think the Vancouver Canucks, and I just moved to Vancouver, and the Vancouver Canucks were in the uh, run to the NHL final. I think they lost it to the Boston Bruins. Uh, not that I know much about hockey, though. I just remember uh, them losing the final. But they went to game seven. And every game um, of that, of the, the semifinal and then the final of the NHL, it was like for like two months, it took for those games to happen like it took about a month and a half or whatever for all those games to be played but every game was an event in Vancouver like we were going to bars people were having parties and I was drinking and drinking and drinking beer, beer, beer and it went on for months and then I had to go to an event and I remember getting in an argument with my ex-girlfriend at the time because I went to put on a pair of uh, black trousers to go to the event and they used to fit me and they didn't fit me anymore and she used to throw everything into the dryer and I blamed her and going oh you probably put these in the dryer they're shrunk they don't fit me anymore yeah. uh, and I went and weighed myself and I, I put on like 10 or 12 pounds and just, just from the hot the playoff weight yeah playoff so. weight and I, I, it absolutely just like I was like I, I normally I've said I'm sitting now about 180 I've sat at 180 most of my life um, but I was up to like 190 190 something and I just, I, it, it, it just hit me like, oh my god, I've, I've got, I've got, a, I'm fat. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just put weight on. So that, that was like a, a trigger for me to be like, oh shit. And I just stopped drinking. Uh, at that point, I went on a, a stop drinking because I split up for her, and then I went on this sort of clean period for six months, and I just dropped ten pounds like that because I stopped yeah. drinking regularly. It just, it just dropped alcohol. Removing alcohol, like literally, just dropped weight. Didn't have to do anything else with my diet drop the weight uh, and then all of a sudden I was actually d- doing better within my jobs and stuff so it was, it's just such a uh, yeah I think it's the num- if you want to improve your self performance because we are listening to the self performance strategy yeah, podcast right. <laughs> get rid of the alcohol so switching uh, uh, you know long way around getting my next question here you know what is currently do you think in your life what what is alcohol now in your life and it's probably not anything as bad as alcohol but what is the thing right now that you feel like is currently slowing you down standing in your way or, or, or stopping with you kind of like getting to the next level when it comes to your self-performance yeah i think probably oh man well like so so the easy answer i'll, I'll, I'll give you a better one after this but like sleep 
sleep because yeah. i have a six month old okay <laughs> and like like so like definitely and my wife takes the brunt of it like yeah. she 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 is up way more than me with him but uh so like yeah i mean i i've always believed that sleep is crucially important and like never never believed it more than when than in its absence which is what i felt for the past really three years since our first kid was born we haven't had like a period of great sleep really mm-hmm. at all um so so i mean definitely that um but like what are you gonna do about that? like <laughs> i mean i i can I, I got my blue light blockers right here like yeah. that doesn't help you when uh at 3 a.m when a six month old is screaming um but uh I, I don't know i think i think probably so so we talked about like cutting out like the the, the dumb shit list and cutting out things that don't matter yeah I think I still struggle like as much as I emphasize that and and I do a pretty good job with that. Like I also struggle with it. Mm -hmm. And, and there's like, I think, I think something that holds me back is like wanting to feeling like not, not even like I need to say yes to everything, but like wanting to try everything that comes across my plate. So like all the time there's like, I mean, one of the things, one of the secrets about online business is, that you you you're stronger if you're teaming up with people yeah and so like you you work with somebody who you like and you have you have an idea together and you can leverage both your audiences and your skill sets and 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 deliver something cool and new yeah and so i i'm i'm constantly having people say like well what about what if we tried this together what if we tried that together and my default is to always be like yeah like let's freaking try it like this sounds cool like i want to see what what we can do but like there's just not time to do it all and so that's something I've noticed recently is like a buddy of mine and I have have an idea that we will do at some point, but we were going to try to launch it at the end of this month. And and we were on the phone yesterday and we were we were talking about it. And he was he has a baby due in like three weeks or four <laughs> weeks. And we were like we were like talking about this like thing we were going to as a cohort, a month long thing. Yeah. And like we're like, we're not going to like we can't do this. Yeah. Like, it's crazy for us to try to do this right now. We both listed out all the things we had to do and we came to the mutual conclusion like we need to pause this. This is not this is a 2023 thing. Yeah. This is a 2022 thing. And and I think that that's a problem that I that I see cropping up that I that I need to work on is like every I don't know if it's shiny penny or whatever, but it's like there's yeah. always cool ideas and like you have to be really disciplined about how much you take on and where you spend your focus because mm focus is really the the differentiator focus and energy i think those are the two most important things if you have energy and you fo- and you use that to focus in the right place you can do anything if you don't have energy you can't do anything if you have energy and you focus in the wrong place you don't go anywhere yeah and and so like finding that right balance of like where am i going to spend my energy has been a big challenge yeah yeah no I, I resonate with that a lot the the energy part but also the the trying to do too many things or you know, not being too like now I, I'm very narrowly focused now but I, I definitely feel like you know earlier this year um, I was trying to like grow on LinkedIn TikTok Instagram you know everything and then I just I just got to a point where I was like I'm just gonna burn out so at the start of this quarter I dropped TikTok and Instagram and other things and you, you just like and all of a sudden now I have more time for writing and actually focusing on my core business which is the thing I should have been focusing on in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It is tough. I mean, I know that, that. I mean, you're right as well. I think all my, all my sort of best growth uh, on Twitter always always has happened, um, and opportunities have always come from 
when you're when you're in and around other people. So it, it, it is good to make those connections and and you know you, you to you can you can win on your own, but if you want to go far, you've got to go with other people. Yeah, that that's been one of the biggest takeaways I've had from from online business is like is surrounding yourself with people who who are approaching it the same way, who are smart, who are disciplined, who are doing well. And I mean, it's like the concept of the, the mastermind, you know, that old yep. concept that is true. And you need, you need to be like, if, if you are all alone on an Island at best, you're, you're going to become so removed from like what's currently happening and what, like what someone who's just starting out is struggling with mm-hmm. that, that you're, you're going to become irrelevant. And at worst you're, you're, I mean, what happens if like you need to start over or you need to, um, or you, or you come to a ma- massive crossroads, you don't have anybody to talk to yeah. or anybody who's been through it before. It's just a huge, huge risk. But the upside of having people around you is, is infinity. I mean, there's just like, you can achieve so, like orders of magnitude more. It's not the sum of your parts. It's like exponentially greater than that. When you combine brain power and skill sets with other people. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Some of the, some of my best ideas have come this, while listening to other people talk about what they're doing, and I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. So if if you don't have those conversations, you don't have those people in your network. If you're not part of masterminds, if you're not being coached or coaching other people, uh, you really are missing out on a, a huge slice of it. I mean, I I, I mean, I've got what well, currently I'm probably directly still coaching about twelve people. Uh, currently on the books I've had a few people drop off but the amount of content ideas I get from just having those coaching conversations and then being in different groups then listening to other people and having those conversations it's just you're constantly surrounding yourself with ideas and and uh, and people are like solving problems for you before you even have them because they're they're dealing with things so there's always somebody in your network that, oh, hey, they just launched a cohort. Why don't I jump on a call with them and ask them what they did? You get an inside track on what they were doing. And then you're obviously you're, you're a little bit further ahead than just starting it on your own. So I think it's, it's, it's a huge part of success. It's a multiplayer game, I think, entrepreneurship. I agree. Yeah. And like nobody ever really did it by themselves. Yeah, I think there's a Arnold Schwarzenegger quote about that where he says he, he doesn't like people who say they're self-made because nobody's self-made. Everybody I sta- agree with that. Everybody's standing on the shoulders of somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I fully, fully agree with that myself. I, I had a conversation once on Twitter where someone was saying that, well, I did everything myself. And I said, you never read a book, you never did a course, yeah. you never had a conversation <laughs> with somebody. Come on. Nobody ever, you never talked to another person. Never yet. Just came out of a dark void. Yeah. And- <laughs> I, was, I was born in the darkness. Yeah. And I created my, I created my empire in a cave. Yeah. And look at me now. Yeah. Still in the cave. That's uh, uh, funny. That's funny. So as as we get towards the end here, we've been talking for an hour. It's, it's been uh, it's been good fun. But uh, we'll wrap up with a couple of like uh, sort of like quick fire or kind of different questions. But well, the first one I, I've asked a few people who come on the pod: What is a contrarian view that you have about self performance or personal development? You know, where do you push back against the norm? Um, Ooh, yeah. Okay. So for me, I push back against optimization because I, I think optimization is not the first step. It's the last step because in my, in my opinion, you can't polish a turd. Uh, you know, you can't, if, if, if you're not, you know, if you have to fix the engine before you clean the car, don't clean the car, you know? So, uh, yeah. th- that, that's my sort of contrarian view. Cause I think a lot of, op- a lot of pe- a lot of productivity people that I see, not just on Twitter, but everywhere else, it's all about optimize your calendar, optimize your day. It's like, 
no, go sort out your shit first. Um, so where do you have a contrarian view or, or a, a different view that commonly held by most people? Um, okay. I think, I think there's definitely one, you, you use the word optimization. Is that, the, that's not the same as like automation, right? No, it can so, be, it can be a form of optimization, but optimization is more like, you know, drilling down to the finer percents. Like you're, you're doing your emails in 45 minutes. Let's get it to 30 minutes. It's it, right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think people people automate things too soon. Mm, okay. I think I think if you like you like spend a ton of time getting the perfect workflow and like uh, yada yada and like you you wind up solving problems that don't exist yet, and uh. that is a big a big danger zone for any entrepreneur is like going out and trying to find problems before they exist. You solve problems. I mean, you can look a little bit ahead and, and predict problems, but don't just go looking for crap that isn't a problem yet and try to yeah. solve it because you don't know you're, you're going to spend all that time automating a system or whatever systems is a piece of this. Like I think people, people get way too into systems way too early, like figure out how to sell and deliver your, your offer. Yeah. Like, figure out how to, how to, how to get traffic to your offer that, that actually sells. It actually gets people results and then freaking automate and, and systemize stuff like once you have more work than you can handle. But like I, I see people like I think this might be similar to what you're saying, too. But like I'll like, see a guy guys on Twitter be like, here's my workflow in Notion. And it's like four thousand four thousand steps. And they're like, yeah, like and then I then I do this, 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 this. I'm like, well, how many clients do you have? Like how, yeah. how much revenue do you have? And like could you have spent that time on the clients? Or do you have this really cool workflow? And yeah. uh, and so that's a big one. Uh, man, I wish I, I wish I could think about this for a little longer because I know I can think of some more. Yeah. But yeah, there, there's a lot that I think is kind of silly. Um, a lot of the diet stuff that you see, like people are like, you need to eat this diet, you need to eat that diet. <laughs> like w one thing I've realized is is like the optimal diet for every person is different. Yes. Like, I, I just, it's kind of like a faith thing for me. I just kind of believe it. I don't have science to back it up. I'm, I'm similar. It, I believe in that. I just think it's like, it's like a personal journey for everybody. Yeah. It's like faith. It's like you, how you find faith and, yeah. and, and diet is similar. Like there's no, there's no one diet that is optimal for everyone's uh, molecular biology. Yeah. <laughs> everybody is different. So when I see like someone say like, you got to eat this way, it's like, well, maybe some people do some people don't but like you're really better served trying to find what works for you yeah yeah no i i did the i did it i've done a bunch of different diets but i think the thing that changed my direction and made me believe in that and i think this could give you the scientific sort of data behind that oh, is get, getting your gut biome done because oh, okay. every, everybody's gut biome is different so people uh, people from different parts of the world react differently to different types of food so if you feed uh, an Irish guy potatoes, he might be able to process those potatoes better than somebody who's from a country that potatoes don't get eaten because I've been eating potatoes. And I know it's a bit stereotypical to say Irish potatoes. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say, uh, uh, you know, somebody from China of rice because someone might call me a racist. Yeah, so yeah, but uh, no. I'll just go with the Irish guy with the potatoes, that stereotype. <laughs> so you, and if you take somebody who, it's like the, you know, actually a scientific fact, the alcohol, you know, with, because the Europeans drank beer and low, uh, low, low alcohol um, drinks instead of water, we process alcohol now, uh, you know, in our DNA or, or, you know, hundreds of years or thousands of years of drinking alcohol, we process alcohol at a better rate than some Asian countries where they had clean water. 
they yep. didn't shit and drink. They shit and didn't shit in their water like other <laughs> Europeans did. They actually yeah. knew it was uh, an important part of life. So uh, you know, so there is actually for me there is a little bit of data behind that, especially around the gut biome, that that diet really is an individual journey. That yeah. uh, you know somebody in the same family, same country, same, could could react differently to different foods. So yeah, yeah, that's that's a big one, man. I, maybe we need to do like an addendum after I thought about this because I know <laughs> I know I can think of. I know I can think of some more some more contrarian views. Uh, I did like the workflow one because I I used to come across that quite a lot in corporates, where project managers you know people would come in from the big four you know the, your your Deloitte's your PwC's oh man and they would come in and they would do these massive workflows and then I'd sit there as, as a manager who then had to like teach it to the staff and I'd be like ninety percent of that workflow is pointless. Like my right. staff will not understand that it needs to be like four steps, not fifteen or forty. Like they yeah. they know how the system works. They don't need to know one of the steps is open second tab, go to claim center. <laughs> click on, it's like you know, uh, you know, it's the software the the company used to use, but I, I, the claim center. But I and I it just used to like I can't teach this, and they're like, well, that's how you. And it just you they're not understanding the the, the disconnect. And I think a lot of uh, people do the same of like their workflows for Notion or or they do the workflows for how they're actually going to do their daily or weekly work. Uh, I've seen people's calendars. Like I, I, people who have all these very, very nicely colored calendars that are all different, these colors and stuff. And I'm like, how much time do you spend yeah. on your calendar? I have a pen and a bit of paper and it takes me five minutes each day to work out what I'm doing. I don't need a calendar to, you know, to, so it's, I, I, I definitely resonate with that because I think a lot of people overcook and focus on the low dollar stuff that doesn't actually impact their bottom line. Yeah, to, to me, it's like the guiding principle and everything. I should have said this at the beginning when you asked the question, but like, to me, it's it's simplicity. Yeah. Is it simple? Is it, is yeah. it simple? If it's simple, it's good. If it's complicated, it's bad. And it's really pretty close to binary. Like that's pretty much right. Like yeah. if, if it's if it's complicated, I can't deal with it. And one of the things I do is like a, as a, as a success principle that I have is literally do the same thing every single day yep same every time as well so so that's another thing i see like people say like no like um routine is 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 like an early mar or march to an early grave or whatever like not for me <laughs> <laughs> i need to be doing the same thing i wear the same clothes i eat the same food i go to the gym at the same time i ha I, I play with my kids at the same time i do the same thing Every single day, I have the same time blocked off to work. Every single day, my calendar just has two things on it. It's gym and work. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Pretty much the and same. It's, it, and it's every day. Every day yeah. forever is those two things. And and so, like, that, that's one thing I think people will just overcomplicate a freaking ham sandwich if you let them. Yeah. And really, like, simple is beautiful. The world should be beautiful. The world should be simple. And yeah. the more complicated you make stuff, the harder you're making it on yourself. Love it. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. That's yeah, I, I, you really sort of like describing what the correct use of the eighty twenty principle is. You know, it's it, yeah, it just make things easy for you. Like I, I, I don't even have a calendar because I know every single I, I write out the things I'm going to do each day. I, I do kind of have a little bit of a tracker and a journal, but I know that the first thing I do for an hour is some type of deep work, and then I go on and do my Twitter stuff because of the timing. I the one disadvantage of being on the West Coast is I feel like I'm three hours behind everybody constantly. Right. Uh, it kind of sucks, but like I, I know every day is the same. I do a little bit of deep work, I do a bit of Twitter stuff, grab a tea or a second coffee, do a little bit more deep work, take a dog for a walk, come in, 
maybe jump on a couple of calls, go for lunch, do some creative work, days over, go go for a walk, work out, and then my days are just the same thing, just repeated over and over, even on Saturday and Sunday. Is it boring? No, I kind of enjoy it because it's because it, it, it helps me not have to go to a nine to five. <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it, that's boring. Yeah, and there's nothing boring like. People say the same thing about drinking. Not to go back to this, but like, aren't you bored? Like, no, no, I'm not bored. I, I like every day is a freaking exciting as shit. Yeah, like, building a business and like and helping people and making money. Like, this is freaking awesome. And yeah. the only reason I can do that is because I do the same crap every single day forever for as long as it takes. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Uh, really, really good. Really, really good. So wrapping up. Uh, the one of the last questions I always like to ask is if you could get everybody in the world to wear a t-shirt a printed t-shirt for one day a graphic tee for one day what would that t-shirt say this is my life philosophy in three words yeah well it's four four words maybe get better every day get better every day get better every day that that would have the biggest impact i think if everybody internalized that that all you have to do is get a little bit better every day oh, i don't know how what percentage of our problems would disappear but it'd be it would be big yeah i love that get better every day i think that's a great just philosophy for life just every, every day if you're doing something that's going to get better and i think that's it taps into the this idea of uh, verbalizing your goals in a way that you're succeeding to your dream daily yeah. Uh, so what's, like, what's you, oh, go ahead. No, no, it's, go ahead. I was gonna. What's your shirt say? Well, uh, uh, do less dumb shit. Uh, there you go. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm have to get those printed soon. Someone told me I should print them. It was Tyler on Twitter said I need to get I need to sell those he, t-shirts. He's got a he's got a good instinct. Yeah, yeah. I think he already sells t-shirts for his motto. I can't remember what his motto is like spread kindness or something or be more kind. I can't remember what his t-shirt says, but uh, yeah. But yeah, that, 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 that's, that's, the, that's the way. Get better every day. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you. Uh, it's been a fun uh, conversation. Uh, we've been talking for an, an hour and a bit here. But you know, to wrap up, uh, any questions for me? Anything that I didn't ask you that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the... Uh, no. I, <laughs> I was going to make like a, uh, a, a political joke, but no, I don't want to get into that. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been awesome. This has been so much fun. It doesn't feel, it felt like way less than an hour. Um, I, I feel like I probably talked too much, but that's par for the course. It's, it's, it's but, what you meant to do in a podcast. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know, nobody wants to sit around and listen to two dudes just be quiet. Be quiet, yeah. <laughs> the, si- the silence hour. Yeah, the meditation podcast is two yeah. dudes being quiet, breathing deeply. With I like don't a, know. With like a 2600 20, hertz uh orange noise or whatever in the background yeah uh, releasing the uh your your chakras yeah it's, yeah there's a there's a certain tone that's supposed to uh raise testosterone or something i don't know um but no i mean this has been fun this has been great thank you for having me steven i've, I've enjoyed it we'll have to do it again soon yeah man it was, it, it, more than welcome to come back on anytime i, I it's been uh, uh, good talking to you and it's been, been great catching up but before we go why don't you tell everybody where they can find you what your offers are uh, and i'll put all that information in the in the show notes so over to you yeah the, the best way to get in touch with me is not email don't email me <laughs> don't you dare email me um it's at save your sons on twitter send me a dm i see most of those pretty much any anyone i get i, I get a lot but i still see most of them um save dot your dot sons 
on Instagram. And if you're a, if you're a dad or a man or any, really anybody, I mean, I'm used to dealing, I'm used to, I like dealing with dads because I, I, because I think part of what is so important, I like helping dads build businesses. Yeah. And, and the family life is such an important part of that, getting that right, getting the, having the right conversations with your wife, setting the right boundaries, setting the right expectations with your wife and your kids. It's part, it goes into the part of the coaching that I do. Mm-hmm. But if that's you and you and you hate the nine to five and you've been looking for a way out and you and you've been lurking Twitter or Instagram and you see people that are that are building things for themselves. That's what I did. I did it the hard way. I help you do it the easier <laughs> way. There's no there's no easy way. But I, but I, I teach you what I learned to get there and talk to me. We can build we can build you that business, build you that side income so that at some point down the road, you'll have a, you'll have a nice audience, which will provide your traffic. And then you'll have an offer to sell, which will help give you money for your family. So you don't have to go to the freaking, you don't have to answer emails all day anymore. Yep. You can hire someone to do that. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. If you're interested in the show notes, I'll have all Save Your Sons information, Harrison's information. It's been an absolute pleasure, my man. Really appreciate for coming on. I'm sure I'll have you on in the future. If you have anything big coming down the pipeline, uh, you know, launch or something, I might have you back on to, to have a conversation. Maybe we'll talk more business scaling or, and business strategy rather than just uh, self-performance stuff. But yeah, thank you very much, my man. Hey, see, I appreciate it, dude. We will talk soon, man. Cheers. Thanks. All right, bud. Bye. That was the 30th episode of the SPS podcast. Thanks very much for joining Harrison and I for that deep dive. Obviously, everything that you need to know about Harrison, aka Save Your Sons, is in the show notes. And everything that you need to know about myself is also in the show notes. But if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at Steve Timoney, that's at S-T-E-V-E-T-I-M-O-N-E-Y, or slide on over to my website, and that's stephentimoney.com, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-I-M-O-N-E-Y.com. And let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if there's anybody in the Twitter, LinkedIn, online space that you would like to hear me interview. I would be very interested in reaching out to somebody who you think would be a good person to have on the pod. Let me know. Let me know. Anyway, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Make it a good one.